0: Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. Shalom aleichem. Bruchem We have an amazing topic today. Today's topic, instead of being on the parsha, is a subject relevant to the events that are occurring uh, right now in our time. These are uh, the events that are on everyone's mind: the war in Eretz Yisrael, the war against Hamas, Hezbollah. Where they came on the most joyous day of the year, and they killed, and they maimed, and they assaulted, and unfortunately they took hostages. That will be the topic of today's shir: redeeming captives in halacha. Redeeming captives in halacha. I want to uh, uh, wish everyone uh, good afternoon, Bruchim to the Kollel We have a good news: the upcoming sefer on Rabbi Meir Balanes in English, is being prepared for publication, hopefully, for Hanukkah, if anybody wants to participate in that project. Also, we have a new series this year of Torah Illuminated. The first edition was released last night. It's called Secrets of the Chaydash. You could see it on uh, Torah Anytime, on Torah Zoom, on many platforms. If anybody would want to be a patron of that, Series, you could contact us. Today we're speaking about a very sensitive subject, but a subject that's on everyone's mind: redeeming captives. We hope Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives us nitzachayin and we're able to release whatever uh, our brothers and sisters that are in captivity. We're going to speak today about the mitzvah of pidyon shvuyim. The Rambam says in Hilchos Matnas Parakhes Halachiyud. Pidyon Shvuyim Koidem Lefarnas Anim Uchsoisan. Redeeming captives takes precedence over supporting the poor and covering them. Fa'inlucha mitzvah gadoila ka pidyun shvuyim. There's no greater mitzvah than redeeming captives. Shahashavuy, one who is in captivity, Harihu Bakhlal Haraivim, Fahatsmayim, Faha Arumim, Faoimid Bisakhanas of someone who is in captivity. He is considered in the category of hungry, thirsty, unclothed, and his life is in danger. One who hides his eye from redeeming him. He is violating. Do not harden your heart. Do not close your hand. He is violating. Don't stand idly by your friend's blood, and not to oppress him, don't allow your friend to be oppressed in slavery before your eyes, you're being the mitzvah of opening up your hand to your friend, and the mitzvah of allowing your your brother to live with you. <coughs> and the mitzvah of love your friend, your neighbor like yourself, the hatsel Lekuchim Lamaves, that's a Pasuk and Mishleh, save those who are taken for death, the Harbe Dvarm keilu, and many, many mitzvahs. In other words, the mitzvah of pidyon and Shvuyim is a, is a mitzvah and an opportunity that's all inclusive of pretty much all the categories of chesed. There's no greater mitzvah than pidyon shvuyim. So you look at the Rabbah and you see the value, the importance of the mitzvah pidyon shvuyim. So one would think that there are no restrictions, that you pay as much money as necessary, and at all costs you redeem captives. But like probably many of you are familiar, the Gemara does put a cap on the mitzvah of pidyon shvuyim. The Gemara says in Gittin, it's a Mishnah, We do not redeem captives more than their value. because of rectification for the world, because of tikon ha'elam. In other words, even though you would say that the kalah nefesh achas ilu so how could you put a value on, the, on one Jewish life? Nevertheless, there's a market value, whether it's the amount of money somebody would be sold for as a slave or the amount of work somebody could bring in. There's an objective value, just like there's a value on a couch and a car. There is an objective market value. And the Mishnah says in Gittin, we are not permitted to redeem captives more than their value. Because of the rectification of the world. So now the question is, what does that mean, the rectification of the world? What exactly are we rectifying? What is the issue at hand? So the Gemara says, The Gemara of the Bnei Yeshiva had the following question. What is what is this rectification of the world? One possibility is, it's because of the oppression of the community. What's going to happen if the, the terrorists say, okay, you want to reduce, you want to allow your relative to be released? It's going to be $100 million. Okay, so you'll have a charity campaign, and all the communities of the world will gather together, and they'll raise $100 million, and everyone in every show will give $1,000. So the terrorists will say, hey, Well, this is a good business. Who needs to go into nursing homes? We could just go into terrorism. So tomorrow, they'll capture someone else and they'll keep on doing it. So you say, okay, so we'll keep on doing a mitzvah. But ultimately, it's a hardship on the tzibor. So maybe the reason we don't pay more than the $5,000 that somebody's worth because ultimately it's going to place an undue hardship on the tzibor. Not everyone could afford to pay that kind of money every day. So is it because we don't want to put an undue hardship on the Or Maybe Maybe it's not because we don't want to put an undue hardship on the tsibar. But what it's going to do is, it's going to incite more terrorism. Because it, then terrorism pays off. If the terrorists know that every time someone gets captured, we're going to pay big bucks to have them released... They're going to constantly do this. So it's not because of the undue hardship on the tzibor, but rather we cannot incite these hilarious to keep at it. Rashi points out, Rashi says, What does it mean? Rashi says, We cannot oppress the tzibor and bring them to poverty. or maybe Or maybe Rashi says, we don't want the Gentiles to sacrifice in order to grab and kidnap more because they command a hefty price. What would the Nafgamina be between these two reasons of why we can't pay Whether it's because of the oppression of the Tzibor or we're inciting the terrorists to capture more. Rashi says a very simple nafgamina is if you have a rich relative. Let's say someone has a rich father or a rich uncle who is willing to pay the $100 million. If it's because it poses an undue hardship on the tzibor, so then the rich relative could say, look, it's a free country. I'm not, I'm, I have an extra $100 million. I'm entitled to pay it, and it's not coming out of your pocket. What's the problem? But if it's because we don't want to inspire and incite the terrorists to keep on doing it, then it doesn't matter who's paying the money. If they're getting big bucks, we cannot allow so much money to be paid to release a captive. So it's irrespective of who's paying the money. If it's because it it presents an undue hardship on the Tsibor, then it's only a problem if the Tzibor is paying for it. If it's because we don't want the terrorists to keep capturing captives, then it doesn't matter who's paying the money. So we have a story. The story appears later on in the Gemara and Gittin, Nunchas. The story goes like this. This is one of the most famous captives in history. There's a story with Rabbi Shob and He went to the great metropolitan of Rome. Amrulai, they said to him, you know, Tinaik. There's a young child in the jail. Yenayim, beautiful eyes. Rohi, very handsome. He has very elegant pace. He went and he stood by the entrance of the jail. Amar, he started by saying the beginning of the Passock. Who gave to be trampled, Yaakov and Yisrael to be taken plundered? That's the beginning of a pasuk. And this young child in the jail hears the pasuk, and he then finishes off the pasuk. Shamu Basically, this person said that the, the child finished up the Pasak. So Shub and Khanani said, This child is destined for greatness. Amar Mufti I am vouchsafed about him. Shamayra Israel, that he will one day pass in shilas for Klaw Israel. I swear. Shaini Zazmi Khan, I will not move from here then I'll pay all the money in the world. Amru, so they said. sham, he didn't move. harba until he redeemed him with a lot of money. it was not a few days. meaning it, um, in no, in no short time, this child began to develop into a poysik. And who was he? Umani Rabbi Shema ben Alisha. So basically, in this story, the child was prisoner, and Rabbi Shub ben Chananya pledged to pay all the money in the world. So Toysius is bothered by the obvious question. The Mishnah says, Ain ha-shvuyin How could Rabbi Shub ben Chananya redeem the captive for more money than the, than the captive was worth? But the Mishnah says in Gitin Adaf Ma Memhay, Yes, and we could. Whether it's because we don't want to pressure the Tibor, or whether it's because limstar nafshayu Either way, you're not allowed to do it. So how could Rabbi Shob and Khananya do this? This is the Kasha of Toysis and Gittin and Dav Memhe. Says Toysis, Rabbi Shoben and Khananya, the Parke Lahu Tinoik Bemamin Harbe Bahani why? This is Toysviz on Daf Memhe'a, on the Mishnah of Ein Poyden Yes, Yeser Mikadei demand. Ask Toysviz, how could Rabbi Shoban Chananya redeem the child for more than the value? Answer number one, Lafi Shahaya muflag b'chachma. The child was special. He was exceptional in wisdom. And therefore, for such, a, for such a person, for such an individual, you're allowed to redeem for more than their value. That's the first answer of Toysviz. Again, we'll have to think. Does that is that doesn't it pose an undue hardship on the tzibur? Doesn't it incite the uh, terrorists to capture more? We have to think about that. Inami, another answer. B'shas Khurban habayis to If it's at the time of the Khurban the Mikdash, What's the reason you're not to redeem captives for more than their value? You're going to inspire the terrorists to capture more. But anyway, that's what they're doing. It's the time of the korban. What, what are the Gentiles doing at the time of the korban? That's what they're doing. They're, they're kidnapping. They're grabbing. They're, they're holding hostages. So the whole reason you're not to redeem, not to inspire them to capture more, you're not inspiring them to capture more. That's what they're doing at that time. These are the two answers of Toysis. Either the child was Muflag B'chachma or the time of the Chorben Habayis is different. The, the prohibition of It's not Shaykh to Ligravu. Fine. Comes comes Andaf Nun Ches and Taisis Andaf Nun gives two other answers. One of them is the same as he gives Andaf Memhe and one of them is different says Toisis You know why Rebi ben Chananya was allowed to redeem this child for more than his value says Toisis ki poyden akade when someone's life is in danger you're allowed to redeem captives for more than their value kedaminam bepak hashalach gavimoychar atsmay ki has banav lo if they if someone's life is in danger, you're allowed to redeem them for more than their value. Like we say in Hashaleach, someone who sells himself or his children, to kechavim. Chavim. shekein hachad Certainly here, where there is a threat of death. So now, Tosys is introducing a new factor. That if someone's life is in danger, you're allowed to redeem them more than their value. Inami, nami, here says, the first answer he gave earlier, Mishum demuflag Chachma haya, or because this child, Yishmael, who would later be Rabbi Shmael ben Elisha, was exceptional in wisdom. The bottom line is, there are two Taisvisin, who both ask, that if he can redeem captives for more than their value, then how could Rabbi ben Chananya redeem the child? And there are three answers in the two Taisvisins. Taisus number 1 gives two answers, either he was exceptional in wisdom or it was the time of the Beis Hamikdash of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. In the second Taisus, Taisus answers that his life was in danger or because he was exceptional in wisdom. So we could immediately ask, why didn't the first Taisus say that the child's life was in danger? Why didn't the second Taisus say that the time of the Khurm Beis HaMikdash was different. But in two in two of sin, we have a, a total of three answers. Now, let's see how we passkin. How do we passkin ultimately the reason why we don't redeem captives for more than their value? Is it because we don't want to place undue hardship on the tibor? Or is it because we don't want the Goyim to be inspired to, to capture more? The Rif and the Ran, the Ran Daf Chaf Gimel B'dafe harif. the rush they say, it's a Bo'yi Dula Shita, it's a Shailah that has no conclusion. Meaning, the Gemara does not tell us, bottom line, what's the reason that you're not able to redeem captives for more than their value. However, the Rambam does give a definitive reason. Comes the Rambam. And the Rambam says, It's so that the enemy does not pursue them to capture. So the Rambam learns the reason you're now to redeem captives for more than the value is because of So they don't gather and grab more. Accordingly, according to the Rambam, even if someone has a rich father or a rich uncle, they would not be allowed to redeem the captives for more than their value. The Shulchan likewise, Paskans like the Rambam, if you look at number 8, In Poyden Aleihem But the, the Shulchan Aruch says, A person is allowed to redeem himself for any amount of money that he wants or a Talmud Chacham or even not a Talmud Chacham but a young Torah scholar that has promised for greatness you could redeem him for more than their value. So the bottom line is the Rambam seems to be poskating that the reason why we don't redeem captives for more than their value is not to incite the criminals to capture more. So let's begin Because one thing we need to discuss is currently in the state of Israel would it be permitted to ransom a captive for an exorbitant sum? Again, if you pay that kind of money, are you inspiring them to do it again? Mm, Absolutely. Are you putting an undue hardship on the Tzibor? You can make the case that that reason doesn't apply anymore. Because It's the cost of doing business in New York, as they say. You know, you want to live in the state of Israel. There's an army. People pay taxes. The taxes are not going to go up or down depending on uh, how many captives there are. So you can make the case that if the reason is not to inspire them to do it again, you won't be allowed to. If the reason is not to put an undue hardship on the tzibor, that reason doesn't apply. But nowadays, redeeming captives, it's not about money. It's about exchanging them for uh, for terrorists that we've captured. And that's a pretty steep price. I mean, if anyone's been following the news, they know that the mastermind behind the Simchas Torah massacre, I think it was a guy, Sinwar, Yamakshima Shemayi who had abducted, kidnapped, and killed an Israeli in 2005. And he was in an in Israeli prison as a life sentence, and in exchange for Gilad Shalit, he was released maybe in 2012 or earlier. And look what he did. Because of him, more than a thousand Jews were killed. So that's a pretty that's a pretty hefty price. Is that worth it? That may make it that even besides the reason that it's an undue hardship on the Tibor, and aside the reason you're inciting them to do it again. But for the safety and security of the community, can you release a terrorist? I mean, psychologically, a terrorist who's in life prison, who has a life sentence, he's, pay, he's playing with house money when, when you release him. I mean, what's his life worth? What, what's, what do you think he's going to do when he comes out? He's going to do community service? He's going to go to an old age home and feed, feed people applesauce? What do you think he's gonna do? He's gonna bake cookies. These guys only—we know what they're gonna do. So, that's something to think about. This was a shaila that came up in the Antebi raid, where, in exchange for releasing the the, uh, our hostages, we were—I think—we were ordered to release forty terrorists. But basically, the Israeli government used us. They stalled. And in the meantime, the operation was miraculously successful. But now we're, we're discussing it not from a political standpoint. We're discussing it from a halachic standpoint. So the Marami Lublin, Marami Lublin. lived from 1558 to 1616. He studied under Rabbi Yitzchak Shapira, the Rosh Yeshiva of Krakow, who later chose him as a son-in-law for his daughter Esther. And the Maram Lublin typically concludes his Chuvais, son-in-law of the king, the great guy in Maharitz. He established a yeshiva in Lublin at 24. At 29, he served at the Rosh in the Abbez of Krakow. At 37, he became the, Rashiva, the Rav Kailel in Lavav, where the Sma was Rosh He had many prestigious Talmidim. The Shla, Megala Mukais, the Magine Shlaimai the father of the Shach, the Tavu Eishar. And the Maram Miloblin discusses the following amazing shayla. There was a young man who was captured by the Yishma'elim and they claimed that he acted promiscuously with a Ishmaelite harlot and they wanted to kill him or convert him. And the question is, is the Tzibor Chaiv to redeem him? says the Maram, of course they have to redeem him, but they're not allowed to pay a penny more than his value. I don't know why anyone would think that you're obligated to redeem him more than his value. Why would he be different than any other captive, aside from a Talmud Chacham, that you're now to redeem more than their value? Because both reasons of the Gemara apply over here. Number one, it's an undue hardship on the Tzibor, and you're inciting the terrorists to, to kidnap more. Because if, they, if you agree on an exorbitant price, they'll do this every day. They'll come every day and claim, this guy did this Avera, that guy did that Avera. El you'll say, yeah, but they want to kill him. And isn't there a swara if someone's life is in danger, you're allowed to redeem them for more than their value? It says Maram Lublin, there's not one credible Pesach who writes that if a Jew's life is in danger, you're allowed to pay a penny more than their value. There's no credible place like that Paskins that way. And therefore the Maram in Lublin Paskins, it is prohibited. Yes, you're obligated to redeem the person, provided that you're not paying more than his value. The question here though, Rabbi Isai, is that the Pischei Tshuva, Rabbi Avram Tzvi Eisenstadt, who lived from 1813 to 1865. He wrote Pischei Tshuva at 18 years old. He finished it at 22. He collected many of the prominent tshuvas written before him. He first was a Rav in Biala Stark, where he made three ruble a week, and then he came to Panovich. They offered him 25 ruble a week. He said he won't even know what to do with it. But in any event, the Pischei Tshuva brings, he quotes many Paiskim, the Avram, that if there is a threat to someone's life, you're allowed to redeem him more than their value. And the Yad el who says, even if someone's life is in danger, you don't redeem them more than their value. And he quotes the Maram Lublin who says, that no credible Pisik says, if someone's life is in danger, you redeem them for more than their value. But look in the base Hillel, who brings from the Shak that clearly the Maram Milublin forgot about Taisvis. What do you mean no credible Paisik holds? That you don't redeem a captive for more than the, their value. Taisvis is not a credible Paisik. Taisvis, Andaf Nunches, says that the reason why Rabbi Yeshua ben was allowed to redeem Rabbi Shemal Kain Gadda. Is because his life was in danger. And when someone's life is in danger, you're allowed to redeem them for more than their value. So, how could Maramu Lublin say that nobody, no credible paisek, says that you're allowed to redeem a captive for more than their value? So, that's the question of the hour. That the Maramu Lublin said very uh, confidently that no credible paisek calls that if someone's life is in danger, you could redeem them for more than their value. But we saw a Beferish Toysus that says that Rabbi Shoban Khanania redeemed Rabbi Shmuel Kaingadol because his life was in danger. So comes Shal et Shuvah Knesset Rabbi Cheskel Katsenelenbogen was the av Besin of the communities of Ehu, Altona, Hamburg, wandsbek the Rabbi Yonison Ibeshets and the Yair has two Hespadim for Rav Yecheskel Katzin Ellenbogen, the author of Shalos the Chuva's Knesset Yecheskel, who lived from 1668 to 1749. And there's a summary of this Chuva in a Sefer called Kalt Seifayach. Kalt was written by a son in law of Reblazer Lazar Silver. And Rev Yecheskel Katzin Ellenbogen has a, a brilliant Perspective on this whole sugya, we pointed out that the first toisus brings two answers. That you know why Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Chananya redeemed this boy. He was muflag v'chachma, or because it was at the time of the korban. But toisus does not say an answer that his life was in danger. On the other hand, the second toisus says his life was in danger or he was muflag b'chachma, but he doesn't give the answers at the time of the korban. Comes the Knesset Hagdailah, excuse me, the Knesset Yicheska, and he says something brilliant. He says, we really have to study these answers of Taisvis. Let's focus for a moment. Is it reasonable that if someone's life is in danger, you're allowed to redeem them for all the money in the world? But what's the reason you're not to redeem a captive more than their value? Let's think about that. Here you have a guy, Nebuch, he's suffering in prison. Let's say they're not going to kill him. It is definitely not a, a pleasant situation. You think they let him daven with a minion? You think they let him daven? You think they're feeding him kosher food? You think they're feeding him? I mean, forget about the fact that he doesn't have food. You know what kind of psychological torture He's un, he's uh, enduring, if not physical torture. Why would we not have to? I mean, we're Rahmanim. How could we be told, no, you don't have to redeem him for more than his value. Yeah, you could go to your local dealership and buy a Lexus for $70,000, but you can't redeem the poor Jew? What's the logic? The logic is, yeah, but it's going to cause an a excessive hardship for the tzibor. But what if his, what if his life is in danger? Set if his life is in danger, then maybe we don't care if it causes an excessive hardship on the zoo. What's the problem? We're going to be paying too much money, but aren't we obligated to save this person's life? Isn't it a mitzvah of lois samay dal Does anybody know? How much money does a person have to pay to save someone's life? Someone's drowning. How much money would one have to pay to hire a lifeguard to save another Jew? You got to give up all your money to, to not to violate a love. So if, if the reason why we're not to pay more than a person's value is because it's an undue hardship on the tzibur then we understand Toysus' answer that if someone's life is in danger, then <clears throat> we would have to pay more than the person's value. Meaning we could understand if the reason why we don't pay more than someone's value is because it's an undue hardship on the tzibur, but not if someone's life is in danger. If someone's life is in danger, we're going to have to do whatever it takes because you have to give up all your money not to violate a love. But if the reason why we're not, we're not allowed to... Redeem captives for more than their value is because it's inspiring the terrorists to do it again, then it won't matter if the person's life is in danger. Because if you're going to say when a person's life is in danger, then you're obligated to pay more than their value, then guess what the terrorists are going to do? They're going to figure out that maybe when we capture Jews, we can't extort them for an exorbitant sum. But when we threaten to kill them, we will get an exorbitant son. So then they'll capture and uh, threaten people's lives every single day. So whether we're a latter redeemed captives for more than the value when their life is in danger is going to depend on the two answers of the Gemara. If the reason is it's an undue hardship on the tzibor, then if the person's life is in danger, well, too bad it's an undue hardship on the seabor. But if it's because we don't want to inspire the terrorists to keep on doing this, then we will not be able to redeem captives for more than their value, even if it's even if their lives are in danger. Let's talk about the svara that Toysva says. That at the time of the korban, you're allowed to redeem captives for more than the value. Toisva clearly says that's because. The whole reason you're not allowed to redeem captives is, is you're causing them to kidnap more. But at the time of the korban they're kidnapping anyway. So you're not inspiring them to kidnap more. But according to the reason that it's an undue hardship on the Tzibor, then you wouldn't be able to cause an undue hardship on the Tzibor even at the time of the Chorban. Let's talk about the answer that Toysus gives that if somebody is a tremendous scholar, you are allowed to redeem them. What about the fact it's an undue hardship on the Tzibor? says the Knesset Yecheskel, it would still be an undue hardship on the Tzibor. So you wouldn't be able to redeem a great Talmud Chacham. On the other hand, if it's because we don't want them to keep on doing this, then maybe if it's an exceptional Talmud Chacham, they're not going to be able to figure out Who's the Talmud Chacham that we're going to redeem? Who's not a Talmud Chacham? You can have people with very long beards. They're also very big Amaratsim. You can have people who don't look like Big Talmud Chachamim. And they know Shasem Poiskim. So even Jews sometimes don't know who's a Big Talmud Chacham. You think the terrorists know? So therefore the various answers and exceptions of when you're allowed to redeem a captive for more than the value will depend on the two answers of the Gemara. But we know the Rambam Paskins Halacha lemaysa, That the reason why you're not allowed to redeem captives for more than the value is because you're going to be inspiring the terrorists to kill more. In that case, if someone's life is in danger, you're definitely not allowed to redeem them for more than their value. Because you're going to cause the terrorists not only to kidnap, but to then endanger the lives of their hostages, and since the Rambam paskins halacha definitively, not like the Rush, and the Ran who say the Gemara's question is ibayi delay ifshita, the Gemara is not giving a definitive rationale why you can't redeem captives for more than the value. According to the Rambam, the Rambam paskins halacha lemaisa, the reason you can't redeem captives is because you're inciting them to kill to capture more and kidnap more. So then, if their lives are in danger, you're still going to be inspiring them to do this again. Halacha that's why Maram mi Lublin paskind, there's no credible Paisik that says that if someone's life is in danger, you could redeem a captive for more than their value. This is the approach of Maram, of Rabbi Icheskel Gal Ellen Bogan to explain why the Maram mi Lublin says there's no credible Paisik who says that if someone's life is in danger, you are allowed to pay more than their value. Furthermore, Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Chesko Katzen argued that if the reason you can't redeem captives is because it's an undue hardship on the tsibor, but if someone's life is in danger, well, too bad on the tsibor, Because you got to give up all your money not to violate a love and and you would have to go into your bank liquidate your bank accounts and sell all your bitcoins and sell all of your uh, your mutual funds and your stocks and pay all your money to save the life of another Jew comes Rebbe Kivaeger and Rebbe Kivaeger says it's not so pashut. you got to pay all your money to save the life of another Jew. Yes, you have to pay all your money not to eat chazer. Right? The Shulchan Aruch says the says in Yardayasim Kufnon Zayin. There's a halacha that not to violate an ase, you only have to pay a fifth of your money. Not to violate a loy you gotta pay all your money. So the question is you would think not to violate it's a lav you would have to pay all your money. Says Rebbe Kiva Eger not so fast is the barometer of how much money you have to pay all your money or a fifth is it that you got to pay all your money not to violate a lav and a fifth of your money not to violate an asei or rather you need to pay all your money not to proactively violate the Torah And you only have to pay a fifth of your money not to passively fulfill the taira. But let's say you could come up with a lav that you don't violate actively. You you violate it passively. Then it would come out. You would only have to pay a fifth of your money. Not, you only have to pay a fifth of your money not uh, to violate. He brings on the Chavos Yoyer in Simon Kuflamates, that a lav she'en by maisa has, is like an assay, And then you don't have to pay all your money not to violate. You'd only have to pay a fifth of your money. In that case, it would not be so clear that just because someone's life is on the line, you'd have to pay all your money to save them. Cause saving a life, not saving a life is not an active violation of a lav. It's a passive violation of a love. I'm just sitting by idly, and I'm standing by idly over my brother's blood. So maybe I would not have to give up all my money to not to violate a lav. However, the rivash says any love, even a love by meisah. You gotta give all your money not to violate. And in that case, if the rationale of why we don't redeem captives for more than their value is because it's an undue hardship on the tsibor, then in fact, if someone's life is on the line so as not to violate loisamid adam you would have to give up all your money. Right now, where we're holding is the Maram Milublin is arguing that since the Rambam definitively says the reason we don't redeem captives for more than their value is because we don't want to incite the terrorists more, even if someone's life is on the line, you can't pay more than their value. Does everybody agree with the Marami Leblin? Absolutely not. The Yamsho Shloimei, The Yamsho from Rabbi Loria who who is one of the great all-time Paiskim. The Ramah writes in the Chuba Simenhei, fortune is the generation that you are in. You're like Moshe you're like Godel Kishamai, Anvasan Kihilel, and anyone, any bird that flies on top of you is consumed in fire, like Yonis and, ben and we could say about you, like what we say about the Rambam, and there's no one like you in the generation. The Marame Lublin says something amazing. He said nowadays the men of kindness in Turkey, in other communities, um. Roll, uh, let me see. Look at number fifteen. In uh, in their and and other communities in proximity. They redeem captives for much, much more than their value. The first thing the Yamshel Shlomo says, undo hardship, their maichel the hardship. Hashem should reward them. Their reward is vouchsafe for the world to come. But then the Yamshel says another very stirring idea. He says, says the Yamshel There's so few Jews left in the world today. Nismatu Yisrael Begoila. We need to have pity on whatever remnant of Jews still remain in our time so that the ember of the Jewish people is not extinguished. Furthermore, they're torturing these Jews. They're converting them. They're making them do Malachan on Shabbos. Also, their life is on the line. And says the Yom I paskin, if someone's life is in in danger, you're allowed to save them. Says uh, says the Yom I heard that when the Marami Rutenberg was captured, they put him in the tower in in Eintzashim for many years. And the governor demanded an exorbitant son. And the community wanted to redeem him, and the Marami Rothenberg did not allow it. Because he said, And I don't understand why the Marami Rothenberg did that. He was the greatest sage of the Talmud Chacham. He was the greatest sage of the generation. And you're allowed to redeem, uh, Sonu's Muflaq B'chachma, B'chamam and Shaba'ilam. And even if you're gonna say out of his great humility, he didn't want to consider himself like a great Talmud Chacham. What about the Bittel Torah? He writes about himself, he was sitting in darkness, in death, without light, without Torah. He had no Svarim. Why was he not concerned for bittel Torah? Didn't Klai so need him? It must be maram held that if they would redeem him, he was afraid, they would do this to all the great Tamil Chachamim. And there would be not enough money in the world to redeem them, and the Torah would be forgotten. So, as a Hira Asha, he said, "No more, don't redeem me." He says the Yam Shoshoma. I heard that after they captured him and Marami Rutenberg died, they wanted, they were after the Rush, and miraculously the Rush was able to run away to Toledo, Totila. Therefore, the Marami Rutenberg said, "Better that my chachma should be forgotten than the entire Torah." But now, the million-dollar question, Rabboisai, is, are you allowed to risk your life to try to save these captives? Is someone allowed to put their life in jeopardy to save another Jew? Yeah, we pray for them. We think about them. We commiserate with them. And the families, we empathize. But is a soldier allowed to offer to go on a suicide mission? To go on a dangerous mission to save the life of another Jew? You know, in Shulchan Aruch it says that one is obligated to save the life of another Jew. If you see your friend drowning or bandits coming upon him or wild animals and you could save him or pay for his saving and you don't, you're over on like and al Reyecha. But the question is, do you need to put your life in jeopardy to save another Jew? You know where this comes up? Organ donation. Somebody wants to donate an organ to save another Jew. But are you mechuyib to do that? Aren't you putting your life in jeopardy? Are you? So you say, well nowadays, you're not putting your life in jeopardy. But there was a time you were. And I don't know how clear it is that you're not you're not putting yourself in some kind of peril. So it's interesting. The Yushalmi says, or what about a case where the Mossad or the IDF says we have a great, you know, we have a great plan, and it's likely to be successful? But again, it's a, it's always a suffix. Are you allowed to endanger your life to save the life of another Jew? The Yushalmi says, you are, and you're mechayev too. But what's interesting is. The Rif, the Rambam, and the Rush do not bring down the Yushalmi that uh, you're allowed to endanger your life to save another Jew. And the Poyskim say it's because they hold the Bavli argues. The bottom line is, halachalamaisa, one cannot risk their life to save the life of another Jew. You hear this? halachalamaisa, if, if you're let you're now to put Someone's not to put themselves into suffic sakana to save the life of another Jew. Now, maybe if somebody's in the army, it's different because that's the nature of war. That's so. Then it would depend: is it mechamis mitzvah, or it's it's more than saving the life of another Jew? This is the obligation of the day. Let's speak briefly about giving away, releasing terrorists to save the life of Jewish hostages. So this is a major subject, and we're going to treat a a major subject um, somewhat superficially and very briefly. There's a sefer called Masa Oivadia, which is a compendium of halachas that are related to the State of Israel, from the Chidushim Rabbi Rab- Vadi Yosef. And he's specifically talking about Mivtsa Anteba. The Antebi, um, rescue. And basically, there were ma- hundreds of Jews who were in, uh, peril. The terrorists were, you know, brandishing the sword upon their heads. They gave a deadline and uh, they said, Thursday, the 3rd of Tammuz at 2 in the afternoon, either you release, you know, 40, 40 terrorists or we're going to kill hundreds of uh, Jewish hostages. So, anyway, Rabbi Vady says, you know, these wicked people, they, they, uh, they exaggerated. So the deadline was pushed off and in the interim there was a miraculous salvation. But Rabbi Vadya says, among other things, firstly he says that even though maybe logically, is it reasonable to try to rescue, to have Jews released and um, at the expense of releasing terrorists? Do you know how many possibly thousands of Jews are now in peril because the terrorists are on the street? And by the way, where do they go? They don't just go to you know, don't think they just go to Israel. They come to this country. Yeah, you say how do they get in? How do they get in? Ha, with thousands of other illegals through the south. We mean how do they get in? But anyway, Rabavaji says two things. Number one, it might be necessary to rescue um hostages, especially if those hostages are Israeli soldiers. Because in order to have a successful army the morale of the soldiers has to be that if they would ever get captured the government would do whatever it takes to have them released. And if they don't have that in their minds when they're on the battlefield and they're in the tanks and they're in in their planes and they're on the war front that the country stands behind them and the government stands behind them and no matter what, they're going to pay any price to have them released. It would demoralize the morale of the army. That's one logic, Rabbi Vadya says, that has to be considered. But then he says something very interesting. Again, something to think about. You'll say, well, if you release a terrorist, you're also putting Jewish lives in peril. Rabbi Vadya says, yes, you are. But not today. You say what difference does it make if it's today or later he says halachically, there's a difference between a clear a, a pre, um a clear and present sakana and a future sakana namely the niddah discusses an autopsy are you allowed to do an autopsy for the sake of learning medicine and learning about human anatomy. Because doing an autopsy is nivul You're defiling a body. And uh, the Nehemiah says, if you're doing an autopsy because this person had an illness, and you have another person sitting in front of you with this illness, and by doing the autopsy, you could save the life of a patient in front of you. So that's called pikuach nefashos. So you're allowed to violate the love of Nivul Hames to save the life of a Jewish patient in front of you, but if it's just to gain medical knowledge to save someone's life in the future, that's not called pikuach nefashos in front of you. And even if in fact you will gain medical knowledge, you cannot violate the law of Nivul Hames to to save someone's life in the future. Ravad Yosef says that would be a similar analogy if Jews are being held hostage and they're brandishing the sword against their neck right now, their life is in danger right now, you need to save their life. Yeah, but by releasing the terrorists, you're putting Jews, Jewish people's lives in danger in ten years or in five years or in one year. That might not be called in halacha pikuach nefashis. That's another svara and, and a factor that Rabbi Vadya puts in the mix. So Rabbi said this is a very complex subject, but certainly the idea of the morale of the army and the and the country is an important factor in Pidyan Shvuyim. <clears throat> um, if it's an issue of Duhka de it could be that it doesn't apply anymore because it's government money and it doesn't really affect the tzibor. On the other hand, if it's a matter of making sure they don't do this again, by the way, the Yom Shoshloimai points out that once the Marame Rotenberg said, you can't redeem me, and they didn't redeem the Marame Rotenberg, never again was the great Talmud Chacham captured and held hostage. So there is something to be said for not giving in, not negotiating with terrorists, and on the other hand, there's nothing more valuable in this world than Jewish life. So there's a very sensitive subject, and in the merit of us learning some of the parameters of the subject, Hashem should protect all of Klal Yisrael that this sorrow should not occur, and Rabbi Hashem should return all Yidin, uh to their Mispachos and to Klal Yisrael, and we should only hear B'suray's Ta'ivos. I wish everyone a wonderful day.